Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, the Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers, like the amazing Bodacious Bob Quay, the stupendous Stephen Farrell, and the excellent Eric Heimel. Today we have myself, Chris Nisak, and Daniel Kwan, one of our newest gnomes. So we're going to skip our get to know a gnome question today because the whole episode is going to be about getting to know Daniel. Welcome to the show, Daniel, and welcome to the Gnome Stew. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I love being part of the stew. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, according to the history of the stew, apparently we all love being part of the stew because we're all cloned at some point in the (laughs) past. It's true. It's true. No, it's true. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I think it's just like a good community to be a part of. Yeah, right. It is is a great community to be a part of, actually. I mean, I love I love the gnomes. The John's great, Angie's great. All of them are great, actually. So let's to get into this whole thing. Like, let's start with uh, how did you get into gaming, Daniel? I got into gaming when I was ten years old. Ten years old, eleven years old. I forget at this point. But I was really young, and my mom sent my brother and I to camp at the Royal Ontario Museum here in Toronto. And, you know, at, the, at this camp, it was Dungeons and Dragons camp. And I had no idea what it was. I had never heard of D&D before. I thought we were going to do what, what would have basically been LARPing, like a boffer LARP or something. Mm-hmm. And we ended up going to this camp and playing D&D 3rd Edition. And I kind of just fell in love with it. And then, you know, down the line, I ended up taking over and teaching this program. Yes, yes, that's at the yeah the Royal Ontario Museum. Yeah, the famous story about how I I started off there as a as a kid, and then I ended up taking over. <laughs> <laughs> you like to mix like history lessons and things like that in with uh, in with role playing games to you know help provide some context or at least some versatility um, to the to the lessons that you like to teach. Yeah, yeah. A- every single session that I have with my students there always begins with a lesson. You know, it, it's the it's a great way to you know make the museum more accessible, make it more relatable, and of course, you know, make the game feel more real to them. The last lesson that I did, the last uh, the last class I taught, we talked about you know the the history of pizza, <laughs> because in a previous lesson I used pizza in an analogy about natural selection and marketing, but we talked about the history of pizza to learn about colonialism and globalization. Because the history of pizza is very, very much one of that. Well, that's fascinating. I never would have guessed that as being where uh, how pizza kind of evolved from colonialization, huh? That's, yeah, it's that's... it's it's very much a it's a it's a very interesting history. But that that in itself is a whole other podcast. Yeah, I mean, if I had you know more than twenty to twenty five minutes to talk to you, I'd actually ask you all about that. <laughs> <laughs> next time next time. next time absolutely so when did you start running games i started running games when i was 15 so a couple of years after i had well you know what no that's that's not true i started running games when i was probably about 12 my brother and i when we were at this program met a whole bunch of other kids we became friends with them and then you know in between sessions we were craving D, so we would Play D and D at my parents' house, and we would switch between all of our, mm-hmm. you know, all of our different parents' homes, and we played D and D very regularly. So yeah, I, I think I've been running games since I was twelve. I'm twenty nine now. That's a long time to be running games. Like yeah, it's a long time. It's a lot, I guess a lot of us are in that same boat. Like I was also eleven or twelve when I started running games, so I totally get that. And uh, I don't know, like that's that's it's such a fascinating thing to me that you learned that you started playing D and D because you went to a, a camp. 
which is supposed like it was obviously an educational camp, right? Yes. Yeah, very much so. I mean, aside from from you and, and the people that you were surrounded by, I don't know how many of us actually have that same, like, I guess, origin story for like gaming. <laughs> I think very, very few people have that origin story in gaming. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one. I wish you do want to be honest. I wish it wasn't the case. And I wish more people had that origin story. Because yeah, that would make the world a bit of a better place, in my opinion, right? Like it would oh, also take some of that, yeah, take some of that stigma away from uh, gaming from the way it was in the past, at least. I think it would also help the gaming community too. You would have, you know, whole. And I mean, I like to think that now with my work there, I'm influencing a whole new generation of gamers who have grown up playing RPGs in a space where they're taught about, you know, cultural relativism, and they're taught about colonialism, and they're taught about the things that we find very problematic in gaming and in, you know, those old school games. So, you know, I teach all of my students about, you know, Orientalism and it's really long history within D&D. I mean, it would have, it would have created a lot of uh, space and, and knowledge about stuff like that too. So it wouldn't have some of those, some of those problems exactly. these days, right? Exactly. Oh man, that would have been nice if a whole bunch of, you know, game designers would have had that background growing up. That I know, right? Made... Like in the, in the seventies and eighties, that would have been great. <laughs> Oh, I mean, some of those books would have been so much better researched and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I think they would have still lived up to the standards that we have now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which means that our standards now would have been way beyond what they are. Oh, 100%. So um, what kind of games do you like to play these days? Like, and what kind of games do you like to run? Oh, my God. So I think that, so I run, I play a lot of, right now, I play a lot of D&D 5th edition at work. Mm -hmm. Because that's honestly the the most visible to parents and most visible to you know the kids it's one it's the one they see on tv and in the movies so i play a lot of dnd fifth edition but in the program we offer a lot of different games uh, one that's become really popular is coriolis it's one of my favorite sci-fi rpgs by free league so i run a lot of coriolis i i like that it's very open-ended character creation is very very easy and it's really really collaborative the Coriolis campaigns that I run all take place in kind of this shared universe that, you know, that's very relatable because I like to use the science of our own solar system mm -hmm. and all the D&D games I play and my staff play are generally all within the same campaign setting that we work on with the kids. In like my, my own life, like we play, like lately I've been playing a lot of masks because <laughs> we're, 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 we're doing that actual play for Asians Represent. That's really cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, I I really like the I, I really like the sort of that indie genre of very narrative collaborative games. I really like Microscope. I'm about to start a game of Harn with a couple friends of mine. That's not a game you hear about a lot. Yeah, I don't know that one. Which is like, I mean, yeah, and you I, I don't of all people. That. Yeah, Harn. Yeah, Harn. H A R N. It's by. Uh, it, I, I mean, you might recognize Harn Master. It's by Columbia Games. Yeah, is it the same deal? Yeah, it's the same deal. We're playing third edition right now. I know Harnmaster is it, so it's the same game, just like an updated version of that game. Correct. Yeah, we're playing Harnmaster. We're playing third edition. We're making. We're gonna see if we could make the most ridiculous characters ever, and then play a game <laughs> set in their world, but with the tone of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Well, that's uh, that's amazing. I mean, I assume you'll have coconuts at the table then. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I want to see if I could go to like a dollar store or something and find fake coconuts so I could actually do it because we're playing it over Discord. Uh, so I want to see if I could do that. But I've been playing that. And then another one of my gaming groups, we play a lot of 10 Candles. 
Oh my god, that game is so good. <laughs> uh, that game is incredible. I love Ten Candles a lot. It's one of my it's one of my favorite horror games because it's just so easy to teach people, and everybody kind of has this really cool, creepy shared experience. Mm-hmm. Like I almost wish that I could combine several games into one. Like in our in our masks game, it's very narrative driven, but there's also these romances, and we have this like weird. I'm gonna. I'm not. It's not a love triangle, but it's like a friend triangle mixed with a love triangle. Mm-hmm. And I really, we joked about it on episode zero. I really want to have like, like three Jenga towers going between like the three PCs, and play Jenga like play, play Starcross. Starcross with Jenga at the same time Mask. as we play Masks. Oh man, that would be that would be fascinating because I mean, I mean, you know, Starcross. Like you, you're not supposed to be able to talk to each other unless you're touching the tower. So that would be that would be interesting. Yeah, but then I'd, I'd have to think about the audio because it's an actual play, and you know there, there are some things to to consider there. Yeah, I, there's there's a lot of space there for you to to do some things like that, though. I mean, and if not if not Starcross, you could probably pick up some of the um like the romance trilogy stuff that Emily Carabas wrote. Like that might work. Oh, in there. Uh, that's a fantastic book. Yeah, it's so good, and all the hacks that are in it. Like I, I bet something in there would work. Oh yeah, I, man, I'll look into that. And then the last game I've been playing, it's not necessarily a role playing game. But I play. I've been playing a lot of Gaslands. What's that? It's uh, by Osprey Publishing. Uh, they also do some RPGs too. Yeah. It's a miniature skirmish game, and uh, you you basically take like Hot Wheels or Matchbox diecast cars, and you convert them using really cheap bits into Mad Max style death race cars. And the whole game is about just like having death races, and it's so much fun. Well, that's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've I think I've I've made and converted more cars than I have played games, uh, just because it's just really fun. Uh, by the way, anybody out there that's listening to this, you can get that for uh, for nineteen bucks uh, as a paperback off Osprey Publishing, yep. or fifteen twenty for EPUB. Yeah, it's it's a great deal for that game. I would say it's the most accessible war game out there. I'm gonna write a post about it for the stew, I think. But yeah, for like nineteen bucks, you get the whole book. And you literally can use old Hot Wheels cars. You don't even have to convert them. And you can just print out all of your car, like I air quote, character sheets. And just <laughs> it, have a lot of fun. It's the most accessible war game out there. And I love it so much. I think I'm going to pick that up. That sounds amazing. I mean, I love me some, um, I don't like the big count miniature war games, but I like like skirmishy type stuff. And that sounds like it kind of fits in that that skirmishy style play. Oh yeah, all you need is like, you could have like, the last game I played, it was four of us. So my girlfriend and then two of our friends. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, at the end of it, we were just all like cursing at each other. It was like, it was the best. <laughs> and we each had two cars and that's all it took. Each person just spent five bucks and brought some improvised terrain. That, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we had more than 20 minutes, 20 to 25 minutes, because you know I would like to talk more about your masks game because I love that game too. But uh, I really want to talk about um, some of the things that you're working on. So like you... You've mentioned a couple of times you have a podcast called Asians Represent, which is on the One Shot Network. Yep. There's also Dundee West Games, that and, and you design games there too. Yeah. So I was wondering if you wouldn't mind taking a few minutes to talk about Asians Represent and then the, the work that you're doing with Dundee West. Yeah, so, so it's Dundas West Dundas Games. Dundas West, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's not, it's not like a, it's a very Toronto name. Dundas West is the area that I live in. And most of our design work has been done out of my my condo. And so we were just like, we need a name. Dundas West is the area. We're going to call it Dundas West Games uh, because we love Toronto. 
Yeah, so I guess I'll start with Asians Represent. I co-hosted with with my friend Agatha Cheng. And, you know, last last summer, we were kind of talking and Agatha got in touch with me and was like, hey, I don't know anything about podcasts, but I, you know, I think it would be a great idea if we if we did something. And I heard that you do podcasts. Uh, and I have another podcast, but it's unrelated to gaming called Curiosity and Focus. It's just about, you know, learning. Like I'm putting out an episode tomorrow and I interviewed a paleontologist and we talked about the evolution of dinosaurs and flight. But so I was like, you know what? I don't know of any podcasts, at least in Canada or North America, that are produced by an Asian team and talk about, you know, Asian issues. So I was like, well, you know what? Let's do this. And so, uh, you know, I got in touch with James D'Amato, the One Shot Network, and I was like, hey, I have this idea. I don't feel represented in gaming podcasting because it's, you know, it's a lot of white people producing these, these shows. And so I went to him and I said, I have this idea. It's a show where we can talk about Asian issues. We can, I want to be real. I don't want to pull punches and I want to put it on your network. And he said, absolutely, let's do this. And Asians Represent was born. We ended up bringing on one other person named uh, Jade, Jade Matiash. And we've done, I think, six episodes, a whole bunch of specials. And we're starting to produce our first actual play with our friend Amar Ijaz. And it's Masks, but it's an all Asian cast set in a sort of future Pan-Asian city uh, that we created uh, like collaboratively. So, so that's Asians Represent. We have big plans. We we're working on some of our own game design, uh, setting design. We're, we're likely going to try to publish our masks setting. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun doing that. And I feel like I now have a voice in gaming through, you know, from my own Asian perspective, but also we're trying to build a platform that empowers other Asian creators to put their projects out there. And we hope that our platform can help that. With Dundas West Games, you know, we, we design games. We're currently working on a number of things. We've released one game. Last year, we released a micro RPG called Zany Zoo. It's an educational game about animals trying to escape captivity, kind of like a, you know, a subtle commentary on like zoos. And we're working on Ross Rifles right now, which is a World War I powered by the apocalypse hack. And that's a project I'm very, very passionate about. Uh, it's also really good. I got to play it last oh, year. Oh, thank so. you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I'm sure it's probably changed a bit in in the interim, but like what what I did play it was amazing. It I I'm I'm confident enough to say that I think it's better than when you played it at Queen City Conquest. I mean, I would hope so because that's usually how that works, right? Like the games get better as they go on in time. I mean, it, yeah, we we made new playbook. We've tweaked the gameplay. It's I I think it's it's awesome, and so anybody who's coming to Breakout Con is gonna get a chance to try those out oh fantastic i mean i'll be there so i'm looking forward to that i don't know if i'll get a chance to play it but I'm, at least i'll be around to maybe observe a little bit fingers crossed so asians represent like i want to i want to delve into this a little bit like yeah. i think that's i think that's fascinating and fantastic too because i'm with you like there's not really a good voice for people uh who are asian out there to talk about games i mean there's a lot of spaces like that like a uh, fellow gnome like senda Linau and, and mm-hmm. andy fox her partner over there she's a super geek like they they started a whole podcast just so like they can highlight women game masters right like there there needs to be more shows that do things like that for marginalized folks out there in the world and i'm super happy and glad that things like that exist that folks like you are taking the initiative to to make things like that yeah i always you know i always one of the things we said when we started asians represented we say it a lot on the show is you know it's really easy 
to complain on social media. It's really easy to say, oh, I, there needs to be more Asian representation. We need this. Why are all these non-Asians making games about us? And they're, and they're sometimes not very good. It's really easy to complain and it's really easy to be negative. It's harder to be positive and it's even harder to be proactive and create a space for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. I'm, I'm glad you did. Um, yeah. Aside from so like the the mask setting that you're making, uh, I mean, it, I assume this is all very very much pre-production and whatnot. Like to me, that's 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 a really cool product that could that should exist in the world. Is this setting that you folks are going to make that is from that actual like viewpoint, like by people who are who are Asian, who are knowledgeable about the culture, and who can actually bring um the like it's not secondhand knowledge. Like we're gonna finally get the stuff the way it should be, in my opinion. So uh, do you have any like outlines or anything like that? Is there any like, do you know when that might be a thing in the world? Oh boy. I mean, if you listen, if you listen to session zero of our masks, actual play, we outline like a good chunk of the world. And it's something that we plan on releasing with every episode. So our, our plan right now is to, we want to make the actual play as accessible as possible to people. And we realize that it's, you know, really difficult to listen to hours and hours of content. So what we plan on doing is actually releasing GM notes on our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash AZNS represent after every episode so people can you know keep up with the story, but also release little bits of it on Instagram and Twitter. Each, all four of us, so you know, Agatha, Jade, Amar, and myself are all taking notes on the world from the perspectives of our characters. Mm -hmm. and. You know, I, I can confidently say that a, a year from now, we'll have something in a very complete draft. That's really cool. Plus, like, we all get to know, if we pay attention and follow along, we'll, we'll see this evolve as it goes, especially with the uh, along with the game. So it's a really cool content creation. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things we want to encourage are, you know, the community and fans of the show. We want people to be involved with that. Like, you know, when we, us posting notes and details on social media, we want people to tell us what they like, tell us what they want to see so we could make something that isn't just from our four perspectives, but everybody else's. Nice. Very nice. So I guess I have uh, one last question then. So your work on this too, what kind of articles can we expect to see from you then? I mean, I feel like after this conversation, I, I, I think we have a pretty good idea, but like from your own, <laughs> from your own words, what kind of articles can we expect? Yeah, well, I, I one of the things that I really want to do is like I obviously really like games, so I eventually want to write some reviews. I'm working on a review of Forbidden Lands, but I really want to play it before I actually go out there and and write a review. I want to write something very comprehensive. A lot of what I'd like to write are actually about working in the industry and uh, trying to help people make a living from gaming. I realized that the last post I wrote for the stew was about being a professional GM and about my work as a professional GM. And I realized that a lot of people benefited from that. Prior to that, uh, quite a few people had actually privately messaged me asking, what I charge? What do I do? How did you start doing this? And I realized a lot of people aren't writing about this. It could be from you know, the fear of other people you know, getting in on their territory, or it could be from the fact that a lot of people don't think this information should be out there. But I really felt as though, you know, everybody should try to benefit from my knowledge. So I want to take everything in my head that relates to gaming and education, as well as, you know, operating as a freelancer in the gaming world and put that on the stew. 
So expect a lot of articles about education, gaming, representation, uh, but also how to enhance your game through visual aids and through you know resources that you could find in your libraries or online. Because I do come from an academic background, which gives me a lot to work with when I'm actually operating as a GM. So I want to put all the knowledge in my head out there because I think it is, I think it would be selfish to hold all of that knowledge for myself. Uh, so I want to put everything I can onto the stew related to education and gaming. Well, uh, as a representative of the stew, I'm very excited to see those articles and very thankful that you were there giving that information to us. Oh, thank you. I mean, then the next one I plan on writing is either going to be that Forbidden Lands review or an article on or an editorial, I guess, on my favorite tools for world building. Oh, cool. That'll be that'll be really cool to have. So we'll we'll see what 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 people want. I'm gonna probably put out a Twitter poll. Maybe I'll do that after this. I interview. mean, you can do one and then you just do the other one, right? Like I it, could, I could. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a matter of which one do I do yeah, first. Yeah, which one do you write first? So aside from uh, DundasWestGames.com and uh, the OneShotPodcast.com and uh, looking for agents represent there, where else can we find you on the internet? Where can people find your work? The best place to find my work and everything else I do, because I, I also run Level Up Gaming, uh, an organization here in Toronto that helps adults with autism and other disabilities, work, develop and work on their social skills through tabletop games, uh, be it board games or RPGs. That can be found at levelupgaming.ca. I do sensitivity reading and developmental editing for games. I'm working on four games right now. I'm not sure how much I can say, but if you, it's on Twitter. But you can find you know, my contact information and all that at danielhquan.com. Nice. All right. Well, time to do the outro. Yeah. This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by, I don't know, Dan, who's this ad brought to us by? Oh, man. I, I want to say that this ad is brought to you by the amazing Gnome Stew community and beyond. Because I mean, like, one of the things I've noticed ever since I've started like writing for the stew is that everybody, you know, on the crew like you have been you know, so incredibly supportive. But the gaming community, the wider gaming community has been so amazing at like welcoming new people in and, you know, leaving space for minorities. So yeah, let let let's say it's brought to brought to you by you community members. Fantastic. All right. Well, if you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like one of the many other Misdirected Mark shows out there. Here's one you can check out. Advantaged Insight. One fan, one topic, and the best result. Advantaged Insight speaks to the fans of Dungeons & Dragons and what interests them for you. You can find all of us at GnomeStew.com, at GnomeStew on Twitter, and GnomeStew on Facebook. So, uh, Dan, do you think we avoided getting dropped in the stew this week? Maybe, but just narrowly. <laughs> Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Well, if you're annoying, yeah, uh, uh, good thing we had it.